We open ourselves to receive your servant, and we thank you, Lord, for your presence and power upon him, and Lord, for opening our hearts to new things, that we might learn and grow, that our lives might be transformed to represent Christ to our community. Lord, we give you the honor and the glory in Jesus' mighty and wonderful name. Everyone said? Amen. Amen. Let's give a lot of claps, shall we? Come on. Father, we just thank you. Hallelujah. Wonderful Jesus. Well, Shane, we'll just welcome you to come up again tonight. God bless you. Great for having you here. And uh, go for it tonight. Very good. Everybody get this all the way in? Everybody get one of those? Good. All right. So uh, we're going to get right into this because we got a lot to do in limited time. There are going to be two very different sessions tonight. And so um, we're going to have some fun. Um, I want to talk to you the first session about your word. About your word. Right, and I'm talking about the Bible, the, the word of God. And as leaders, I want to give you something that might be, I mean, we've been doing different stuff every night and just talk, we've been really challenging and that sort of thing. And so I want to take this first session tonight to kind of back off and I want to give you, um, I want to talk to you about the two most important things I could tell you about, about looking at the Bible and studying it, okay? And so, and getting the most out of it. And I'm going to teach you this because I know the tendency is, is once you get something like this in your hand, you start looking at it and you're like, whoa. And so, but I want you, if you can, um, if you can just put it to the side just for a second because there's a principle we have to talk about before we do that. And, and that principle is this, is form versus function. Wait, wait, if I only had one session, if, if, if somebody said, listen, you've got, you've got an hour, and I want, to talk, I want you to talk about the most important hermeneutical principle you can talk about, this would be it, okay? Form and function. Greek people, people with white skin that come from Europe, and they, they find their, uh, their origins in a really big, powerful church in Europe that has big buildings with apostles names, named after them. Um, we, um, we see form. We always see form. We were trained to see form. We think in form. Everything about us is form. Um, Hebrew people see function. Greek people, European people, we always see form. Hebrew people always see function, okay? Let me give you the most obvious example I can think of of that, okay? It says this, and, and, and God hid Moses in the crevice of the rock with his hand. God hid Moses in the crevice of the rock with his hand. So all of us are form thinkers, right? So all of us would have images in our head. We'd have a big cave. You have Moses in there. And then primarily the focus of that particular sentence in Scripture is the hand of God. So you have Moses, a big cave, and God's hand. So when you picture this, what does everybody picture? Picture a big, giant hand. Whose hand is it? God's hand, right? Now how big is God's hand? Really big, right? Like it's the hand of God, man, right? All right. So, but the, the question is, does God have a hand? And the answer is no. God's a spirit. Okay, God doesn't have a hand like we have. You say, well, wait a minute, Shane, what about like the hand of God, the mighty hand of God, the strong arm of the Lord? Once again, Greek people think form, Hebrew people think function. When a Hebrew person writes something like the hand of God or the strong arm of the Lord, they're not thinking of this. They're thinking, what does a hand do? This is a form. They're thinking, what is the function of a hand? A hand holds, a hand comforts, a hand hides, a hand does all of these things. And so when a Hebrew person reads, and God hid Moses in the crevice of the rock with his hand, they're thinking, 
okay, what's God doing to Moses in that cave? He's hiding him, he's comforting him, he's touching him. The, the focus is not on the form, the focus is on the function. You follow me? Okay. And, and, and that, there are some cases in the Bible where we're glad that's the case. Like, like it says later, it says, and Moses saw the backside of God. <clears throat> well, form doesn't really work there, does it? Because if God's hand is big... God's backside would be huge. Like, can you, whoa, man, what happened? I saw the backside of God, man. Like, that, that, doesn't, that doesn't work for us. Our form kind of starts messing up. And, and so we have to learn to see function. And, and so well, we can talk through that. Let's talk about that. Um, and Moses saw the backside of God. Moses saw the backside of God. So if we're going to look at that Hebraically, we have to understand what is the function of the backside of God. What's the function of God's backside? Because obviously we're not talking about a backside like we have, a backside. So we're talking about the back, what what is the function of God's backside? Because that's what Moses saw. It's very important. It's very important. And, and, and so to do that, you kind of kind of, you got to extrapolate that back and you have to ask yourself questions like, what is, what substance, is there any substance that God is described as, as observable and tangible? You say, well, God is love. God is mercy. God is all these things. But you can't really observe those things. Those are behaviors or verbs. You, you can't really observe those things. The, the only tangible substance that I can think of that God is described as is light. Something you can see is, is, he is he's light. As a matter of fact, it says, for God is light, and in him is no darkness at all. Which, by the way, um, there are two, at least two, um, substances on earth that have no weight and yet have force, which is pretty cool. Like, because physics says that force equals mass times acceleration. So in order to have force, you have to have weight. But there are two things on earth that have no weight, yet they have force. The first one is light, and the second one is words. Your words carry no weight, but yet they have force. Light has no weight, yet it has force. If you focus light down focused enough, you can burn through steel. Yeah. And isn't it interesting that God is described as both those things, that God is light and God is the word. Mm. So God is described as a being with no definable weight or matter, yet he has infinite force. Interesting. Okay, so God is light. God is light, and in him is no darkness at all. Now, now, here's what we know from science. We know that the universe is constantly expanding at the speed of light. We also know from the Bible that Jesus, or God, is holding the whole universe together. So doesn't it stand to reason that science would prove that the universe is expanding at the very speed of the substance of the one who's holding it together? Doesn't that stand to reason that God is light, and light is holding the universe together, therefore the universe is expanding at the speed of light? Interesting. Uh, we, we also know that the function of light primarily is to hold pictures. So if the lights were off in here, you couldn't see. It's because your eyes don't see anything. Your brain sees everything. Your eyes simply take high-speed camera photos, transmit the images to the back of your brain. Your brain tells you what that is. Green shirt, Doug, sitting there. My, my brain tells me those things, and it's because of light. Light allows that image to be stuck. So we know from science that light is constantly moving forward at 186,282 miles a second. 
when he knows me forward, there's a guy that speaks. His name's Chuck Missler, and, um, and he's, he's, like, brilliant. Like, he's, um, I can listen to him for, like, seven minutes, and then I'm done because he's done past me. But um, he, um, yeah, it's odd. So he, and he talks about this thing they did with this big telescope, and he said they sent this telescope, and they, they looked way, way out there, and they could see pictures of different phases of creation because they were looking way, way out there. So if, if, if Moses sees the backside of light, what does he see? He, he sees where light had been, which would be the past. So he sees these images of the past, which is how the rabbi said he wrote Genesis without living it. Imagine him standing there, seeing the backside of God, writing it down. Oh, in the beginning, God created the heavens, and, and the earth was without form, and, and darkness, and the Spirit of God was... That that's, he saw the past. Oh, which, um, by the way, um, the, you see how help, seeing function kind of helps things? Like, there's this one place in Psalms. It says, blessed is the man, blessed is the man who walks into the presence of the Most High for he is dwelling in the shadow of the Almighty. Blessed is the man who walks in the presence of the Most High, for he's dwelling in the shadow of the Almighty. Now, now, that begs a couple of questions, right? If God is light and in him is no darkness at all, how can one who is pure light ever cast a shadow? Like, by definition, in order to cast a shadow, you have to be... um, darker than something. I mean, can, can anybody, like, if, like there's small shadows on the ground from the lights above you, and that's because the light is coming down and it's casting off of you. But is God, is there anything in the world brighter than God? You, know, you have a hard time convincing people of that. So, so for God, so if there's nothing in the world brighter than God, then how can God cast a shadow? It's odd. It's kind of a strange statement. Blessed is the man who walks in the presence of the Most High, for he's dwelling in the shadow of the Almighty. So how do you work that out? Well, the, 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 the key to that phrase is blessed is the man. Blessed is the man when he walks into the presence of the Most High. He is then dwelling in the shadow of the Almighty. In other words, if a man walks into the presence of God, whose shadow is actually cast? The man. So, so in other words, what the, the Bible's saying there is, is that when you're in the presence of God, the shadow of the Almighty is actually you. Hmm. Interesting. Can anybody think of a scripture where that comes into play? In the New Testament, Peter's walking along and his shadow raises someone from the dead. Why? Because he was in the presence of God. It wasn't his shadow anymore. The presence of God filled every part of him, including his shadow. The shadow of the Almighty was actually him. Form and function. We're such form thinkers. Like, give, let me give you the ultimate form. This is the ultimate Pentecostal form. And, and since we're all Pentecostals here, we ought to be able to make fun of ourselves, right? All right? So I ought to be able to have a pretty good laugh at ourselves. Um, the ultimate Pentecostal form is laying hands on somebody. We love that form. Because since we're form thinkers, to lay hands on somebody, what does it mean? Right? So, so, so to lay hands on somebody, we actually take our hand and we lay hands on them. This is the form of laying on of hands. Now, now there's, there's a, quite a problem with that. And, and the problem with, and look, I'm not against putting your hand on somebody, no more than I'm for not putting your hand on somebody. It doesn't make any difference to me. It has nothing to do with laying on of hands. Laying on of hands had nothing to do with touching people, in other words. 
had nothing to do with touching people. Um, as a matter of fact, let me ask you a question. Would rabbis have ever have laid hands on sick people? Of course they did. They laid hands on sick people all the time. But did they ever touch them? No. But did they lay hands on them? Yes. But did they touch them? No. See, we're, our minds are blown already. <laughs> I can see it in your eyes. We're, we're all going, what, what? Like, do they, or do, do they or don't they, Shane? Would you just spit it out? Why do you speak to us in parables? Like, it's this sort of thing. No, no, no. It's, um, rabbis laid hands on the sick all the time. Matter of fact, they commanded other people to lay hands on sick. Jesus said, lay hands on sick people and they will recover. Laying on of hands was an important part of their culture, but would rabbis have ever touched a sick person? No. But did they lay hands on them? Yes. Why wouldn't they touch them? Because they'd become unclean. But did they lay hands on them? Yes, that's because laying hands on somebody had nothing to do with touching them. It's function, not form. It's function, not form. The, the idea of laying hands on somebody actually came from Yom Kippur. And it came from when they offered the sacrifice on Yom Kippur that would take away the sins of Israel. There was two lambs. And one lamb is going to have a really bad day. And the other lamb is going to be set free. Okay? So they take the lamb that's going to have the really bad day. And they bring him, and they, everything they do has function to it. So they take him, and they sit him on the altar, and they tie him down. Now, we may as well practice thinking function. Why would you tie a, a, a lamb to an altar that you could easily just hold there? The idea was that what was going to go on the lamb was the sins of the whole nation. And the idea was, was when sin goes on to a lamb, you leave it there. You leave it at the altar. Okay? So they tied the the the, uh, the lamb down and then what then what the, the the priest would do is he would press the sins of of Israel into the lamb he did things twice because you had, had two witnesses so he would press it into the lamb so what he would do is he would take the sins of Israel and all this was obviously in the spirit or in the, his imagination he'd build the awareness of it and put it on the lamb and what he'd do is he'd lay on top of the lamb and he'd reach around and he'd press it into the lamb and the lamb would be like it would be a bad thing and so he'd be pressing the sins of israel into the lamb that would take away their sins remember when jesus was in gethsemane because jesus obviously is the lamb of god who takes away the sins of the world remember when jesus was in gethsemane and he said father i am pressed gethsemane means the place of the press so he's the lamb and he's being pressed with the sins of Israel. And it says that he sweat blood from the pressure from it. Then after that, the, 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 the priest would lay hands on the lamb. Not touch the lamb. Lay hands on the lamb. And it was malah. The word was malah. Malah. Which, which meant to impart something that you have the authority to impart onto somebody else. So, so it meant to take something that you have the authority to give... And give it to somebody else. Or give it to something. Remember when Peter said, silver and gold I don't have. But what I have, I give to you. That, that, that's the idea of laying on of hands. Is to take something out of yourself. And place it on something else. And it's within your authority to give it. So the priest would take all the sins of Israel. And he would malah. He would lay hands on the lamb. He would take it and place it on the lamb. And what, what tradition says is, is that the pressure, the pressure of the sins of Israel going onto the lamb would cause the priest to have to turn his head. 
So the priest would turn his head. Remember when Jesus was on the cross and the father put all the sins of the world onto him? It says that God the father had to turn his head because of the pressure. Then you guys want to hear the rest of that? It has nothing to do with laying on of hands, but it's pretty cool. Um, they, they, then what the priest would do is at exactly the ninth hour, he would proclaim, it is finished. And he'd pull the lamb's head back and he would cut the lamb's throat. And then he would catch the lamb's blood in this cone-shaped cylinder. And he would shake it because the blood had to be living. If the blood congealed, it would be not fit for sacrifice. And then he'd go into the Holy of Holies and, uh, Holy of Holies, and he would die. And so he would shake the blood to keep it moving, to keep the blood active and living and he would run into the holy of holies and he would shout the whole way don't touch me don't touch me for i have not yet offered the blood of the sacrifice remember when remember when jesus rose from the dead and the two women meet him in the garden and what he doesn't even say hello he's like don't touch me don't touch me for i have not yet ascended to my father why because he had not yet went to heaven and offered his blood in the real holy of holies in heaven not the one made by man, but the one made, the real one in heaven. There was no blood there. That's why there was no forgiveness of sins there. So he had to go ascend to his father and offer his blood. So the priest would go in and he would offer his blood. You realize if Jesus would have been touched right then, the offering would have been negated. He'd have had to go through it all again. Not good. Do you see now why he was like, no, no, don't touch me, man. <laughs> don't do that. Don't, don't, don't touch me so so he so he um he goes up to heaven and you don't know about it because no one was there to write it down and he sprinkles his blood on the holy of holies and the next thing you know he's showing up in the upper room going okay i can be touched which meant the blood was accepted forever so, so the priest would go in and he would sprinkle the blood on the on the mercy seat on the on the horns of the altar and if it was if it was not accepted he would be killed and they would drag him out if it was accepted then he would come out he would wash his hands and then he could be touched again he'd be touched again and, and then he would walk out and he would take the other lamb and he would say behold israel your sin and he'd march the lamb between them and then he'd let the lamb go. And when they couldn't see the lamb anymore, he would say, Behold, Israel, your sin has been removed from you as far as the east is from the west. Okay? So, so the idea of laying on of hands has nothing to do with form. It has everything to do with function. And, and we've made a form out of this big time. We, we've made a form out of everything. We've made a form out of everything. And I'm talking about good people who love God with all their heart. I'm telling you, the first time I ever got to pray for somebody, I was on staff at a Presbyterian church. Yep. And, um, and the, the, it's, they're, they're not really into all that, but I was on staff. And there was this lady who, um, who had MS. And, um, and, and her name was Kim. And they came to me and they said, we heard that you're um, Pentecostal. And I didn't know if I wanted to admit that or not because Pentecostals in Charleston are a bit embarrassing. And, um, and I said, uh, who told you that? <laughs> they said, listen, we, 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 do you believe in, in healing, don't you? I said, yes. They said, well, you're the only one here who does, so we want you to pray for this MS to go. And she was in a wheelchair and whatnot. I said, oh, sure. I mean, what am I going to say? And this is how, I was 19. I was 19 years old at the time. And I said, oh, sure. Yep. I said, give me a week to prepare myself. <laughs> right? Because it takes a week to get the anointing and stuff 
back then. And, um, and this is, this is uh, what I thought, and I'm kind of embarrassed about that now, but I, I was 19 and giving it my best. And so a, a, a week's time, um, with three days left to go, I fasted for three days. I, my heart was right now. I fasted for three days. I, I did everything, all the forms. Can you imagine, like all the forms, all of them. Like I did everything, everything I could think of. Man, I had oil out. I was dousing the whole place with oil. I was fasting. I was praying in tongues. I was praying in English. I was praying laying down. I was praying standing up. I, was, I, I even did that whole like crying thing where you're like breathing in and crying at the same time. The thing that Pentecostals do, you know that thing that... Like that, I was doing that. Um, I, I was doing everything I could think of to 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 get the anointing to 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 come. I was throwing all the devils out the place, and I mean, I was oh man, I was doing everything. And then of course the day came. I was so excited and I like full of faith, and because I had pressed in, I had broke through. I'd done all these things that we do, and um and so she comes in and. Um, and, and of course, we start to pray, and, and man, we, we pray, and we pray, and we pray, and we pray. And we do this, don't we? We, we just do this. And, and we, we, do, we do all our forms. We do, we do all of our forms. And, and so if, if this man comes and says, okay, I'm sick, and so, so, so we, we, what do we do? We, we have all the forms to get him healed, right? So, so we, 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 we lay our hands on him. So we put our hand on him, and we pray something like, Lord, you know, healing. And, um, and, and then we step back and we say, do you feel better? And he says, no. <laughs> and then we go, oh, what did we do? Jesus said, Jesus said, um, lay hands on the sick and they'll recover. And so I, um, so I just did and he didn't get any better. Um, oh, I must be missing something. What am I missing? What am I missing? Oil. We need oil. So, so <laughs> we, get, we get oil and we douse his head with oil and and, 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 and then, and then we, we pray over him and we say, do you feel better? And he says, no. And we're like, okay, what am I missing? What am I missing? Agreement. We need agreement. We need agreement, right? So, so we, we're praying. We're praying. We've even switched the person we're praying for. We're, we're praying. And, and we're like, okay, you need to agree and you need to agree. So we're all agreeing. We're all agreeing. And we step back. We say, do you feel better? He says, no. What are we missing? Volume. Maybe God's death, right? So... <laughs> So we so so we we do this stuff and and we we get louder and we get louder and we get louder and we get louder and and, and we step back and we say do you feel better and he says no which at this point if he was smart he'd just say yes so we'd leave him alone <laughs> what are we missing what are we missing what form are we missing tongues tongues we haven't done the tongues thing yet. So we're like, hey, right? We're doing this stuff. And we've got our hands on him. We got agreement. We got volume. We got oil. We got tongues, baby. We got it going on. <laughs> and we step back and we say, do you feel better? And he says, no. What are we missing? Demons. Maybe he's got a demon. He's got a demon. So we get the demon off of him. We're doing all this stuff. And we, and we step back and say, do you feel better? He says, no. And we think, oh. What are we missing? Man, what are we missing here? And then we run out of form. We run out of everything. We run out of form. And he still doesn't feel better. So then we turn it on him and we say, oh, maybe you just don't have faith. Mm. Yeah. And so the same word. Oh, I forgot. Oh, yeah, we, we stand on the word, right? So we, yeah, so, so like God forgot what he wrote, remember? So, so, so we're doing this whole thing. And we turn it around on him and, and we do it. So I, I'm praying for Kim. I'm praying for Kim. I'm doing all the forms every form I can think of. And then I was so full of faith. I mean, I was so full of faith. I was 19. I'd fasted all week. 
I was skinny and <laughs> wanted to go eat it out back afterwards. And I had oil. I mean, this poor girl, this her head drenched in oil. I mean, demons were outside the door shivering from fear. <laughs> like, they were so scared of me, you know? And, and, um, and, and which, by the way, I can, okay, anyway. So, I was so full of faith. I was so full of faith. And, um, and I, 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 I said, Kim, get up out of that wheelchair and walk. Which is a disaster if you've missed it. I was just, I, my heart was so good. I'm telling you, I was so, she said, Okay. And she stood up and fell flat on her face. I wanted to die. I wanted to crawl under the carpet and just disappear from the face of the earth. What's that? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I wanted to. Oh, it's all. Yeah. Everybody down. And um, it was just, it was just odd, you know. It was this odd feeling. And, and I was such a form thinker. I was even a form thinker with demons, which will get you beat up. Mm. My, I, my first encounter with a demon, I was 19 years old, and it was at a, the Presbyterian church, and I was the only one in the room that they thought knew what to do, <laughs> and I didn't know what to do. I just knew what I thought I knew, which is really bad. Like, when you don't know what you don't know, it's really scary. And um, this lady, man, this lady was about, I don't know, 130 pounds or so, and um, very, not very petite lady, and she beat four grown men. I mean, she beat us. I mean, I mean, she had this one big guy picked up, 6'5", 250, played full scholarship basketball for Oklahoma, and she had him off the ground, and he's like, Shane, get her off of me, man! <laughs> and so I did this full gainer, and so, we, we, you know, we didn't know what we were doing. They said, Shane, what do we do? I said, I don't know. And I said, I said, wait a minute, I've seen this on TV. Okay. <laughs> I said, look at me. And she's on the ground. <laughs> I'm going, look at me. <laughs> and then I thought, wait a minute, what am I missing? I'm missing something. There's some form. Oh, in Jesus' name. Look at me in Jesus' name. She went. <laughs> and then I didn't know what to do. So I just knew what I read Jesus did. So I said, um, I said you lose her in Jesus' name. And this is what, she's laying there, and she goes, no. And I went, okie dokie. <laughs> I don't know what to do. I just said in Jesus' name, you're staying. That's my ace of spades. I have no idea where to go from there. <laughs> you're not supposed to be able to say no to Jesus' name. What are you talking about, you know? I, I, and then I found myself arguing with this devil. It was weird. It was the weirdest most ethereal 19-year-old experience. Like other kids my age were out drinking and partying. I'm out throwing out devils. And, 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 and I needed a towel for my pants. And, um, <laughs> yeah. and then this thing came over me. Like this, this confidence came over me. And I thought, this, I, I was walking away from the lady. I'm like, I don't know what to do with that. And then this thing came over me, and this thought hit me, demons can lie. Like, they can say they can lie. So I just went over and said, yes, you will. And it had to be supernatural, power of God stuff, because I did not know anything about anything about anything. And that thing left. Now, where it went, I have no idea. <laughs> but it went. 
I was like, whew, let's go home before something else happens here. I got lucky once. Even a blind squirrel finds a nut every now and then. <laughs> and, and, it, it, and it started to form my life, and I realized I was missing something. I realized I was missing something because I had to deal with scriptures that said, lay hands on sick people and they will recover. Jesus said that. He predicted his own death and resurrection and then pulled it off, and yet I was laying hands on people and nothing was happening. So was he lying or was I missing something? And the truth is, is I was missing something. I was making a form out of everything. We make a form out of everything. We make a form out of in Jesus' name. I mean, how many times, I mean, honestly, we've all been guilty of this at times, but how many times do we use in Jesus' name as a 10-4 over and out sort of thing? We do it all the time. We do it at the end of prayers without thinking, don't we? Yeah, it's kind of like a 10-4 over and out. <laughs> but, but if you look at the New Testament, most of them did not end their prayers in Jesus' name. They didn't. What they did was is they stayed in Jesus' name. So everything they said was in Jesus' name. Well, I mean, Peter was in Jesus' name so much his shadow was raising people from the dead. That, that to, to, in Jesus' name is not a form. It's a function. It's a way of life. It, 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 it's that. And, and so to lay hands on people, to lay hands on people means to take something that's in your authority to give and place it over the top of somebody. The, the rabbis called it hovering. That, that it is in my authority that I can take anything in my authority to give Doug and I can hover it over him. I cannot put it in him. That is his faith. But I can put it over him and it will saturate him from head to toe. You see Jesus do this all the time. Peace be on you. Go with peace on you. Yes. So, so you might say, what's in my authority to give? What is in that authority? Well, you have the authority to give anything that's in, Jesus, that's in the name of God. Because your heir is according to that covenant. And I don't have time to preach that whole thing, not for tonight's purposes. But every revelation of the name of God carries something that you have the authority to give because you are Abraham's child and heirs according to that covenant. God first revealed his name as El Shaddai. If you want to learn about this, it's in my series on the Lord's Prayer. Okay? God's first revelation of his name was El Shaddai, God Almighty. Years later, years later, like 450 some odd years later, he appears to Moses in a burning bush and he says, my name is Jehovah. I am the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And remember Moses' response? He's like, nah, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob is El Shaddai, which that's all he would have known. God appears to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob as El Shaddai, and they pass it on to their kids and to their kids and to their kids. Who are we in covenant with, Dad? El Shaddai. Who are we in covenant with, Dad? El Shaddai. El Shaddai. El Shaddai. El Shaddai. 430 years of slavery in covenant with a God named God Almighty, and he wasn't doing anything. Mm. So God finally appears to Moses, and he said, Moses says, what's your name? Who, who are you? I'm Jehovah. Oh, I'm the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And Moses is like, no, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob is El Shaddai. You just said your name is Jehovah. And he said, my name is Jehovah. I appeared to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob as El Shaddai. But by my name, Jehovah, they didn't know me. So God, over time, revealed himself in different names with different character traits. God Almighty, the God that has all might. Jehovah, Jehovah who? Just Jehovah. 
Later, Jehovah Rapha, Jehovah Jireh, Jehovah Sidkenu, Jehovah Mikadesh, Jehovah Nisi, Jehovah Rohi. Je- like these, these revelations of the name of God came in spurts. And every time God revealed a different part of his name, it expanded who he was until Jesus came. And then he was given a name that is above every other name. That at the na- Whether that name be written in heaven or on earth or under the earth, that Jesus is the name that encapsulates all other names of the revelation of God himself. And now we are in Jesus. We are Abraham's seed and heirs according to that covenant, which means that in every one of us, we have the authority to reach into our spirit and give to someone else anything that's in the name of God. Let me say it this way. You have the authority to give to someone else anything that's in the tassels. Anything that's in the tassels. Anything. Anything. So if Doug needs healing, what name of God is that? Jehovah Rapha. Who has the authority to give that to him? Me. So I can simply reach into God. I can do one of two things. I can pray an intelligent prayer over him, which will do nothing for him. Or I can reach into God and I can grab everything that's in me in the kingdom of God in Jehovah Rapha and I can place it over the top of him and it'll saturate him. Yeah, that's laying hands on somebody. If, 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 he needs, if he needs provision, what name is that in? Jehovah Jireh. If he needs inner healing, what name is that in? Jehovah Mikadesh. Yeah, it's, 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 it's in us. The kingdom of God is not up and down or this way and that. The kingdom of God is within us. That's laying on of hands, form, and function. We have to learn to be function thinkers. D- didn't I, last week I talked about I talked about Romans 12, 1 and 2 about, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, you present your bodies a living sacrifice and what it meant to be a living sacrifice. And all that's, did I do that or no? I can't. It's, it, it's the function of living sacrifices which are wholly acceptable unto God. Paul was a Jewish rabbi. His connotation of sacrifices came from Leviticus. In Leviticus 1, 2 and 3, it says, for these are the sacrifices which are holy and acceptable unto God. They have to have their head cut off, their legs cut off, and their inner parts clean. And so functionally speaking, if you take somebody's head off, what are you taking off? You're taking their authority. So he's saying an acceptable sacrifice gives up his authority for Jesus' authority. We all as one body grow up into him who is the head. Our legs have to be cut off. In other words, we give up our authority for his authority, our way for his way. And then in that process, he cleans our inner parts up. And that's what makes us holy and acceptable. This is all... Huge function stuff. Now, now, with that as the backdrop of form and function, I want you to look at this. I want you, I want you to look at this alphabet I just gave you. This is basic, basic, basic Bible study tool. You can take it with you and use it if you'd like. This is called Paleo-Hebrew. Okay? This is called Paleo-Hebrew. This is the Hebrew... That was, um, that was around before, um, b- before Babylon. This is how they wrote. The, the, the Hebrew language um, was, has morphed, and, and there's all kinds of different ways to write the letters. But the ones I want to talk to you about today is the one that says literal meaning and then symbolic meaning, okay? All right, so, so in the literal meaning category, those are the pictures of how they wrote each letter. So what you can do 
every Hebrew letter is a, um, is, a, is, a, is a picture, so every Hebrew word is a comic strip, okay? So if you have the pictures, you can put the letters on it and, and, and go from there, all right? So, so it says, uh, so Aleph, all right, I'm just going to run through these real quick. Aleph, the way they wrote an Aleph was an ox or a bull. And, and since we're learning to be function thinkers, the function of an ox or a bull is strength or authority or leader or something that can bear a burden, okay? That's an ox or, or a bull. Uh, bet is, the, is, is a tent or, or a house. It could also have morphed into a house of God, so it just means, it can mean in or into or, or household. Gemel is the third letter, and it's a camel or a camel hump. And when they saw that, they meant, you can kind of see it, they, it means pride, to lift up, to, to be puffed up. Um, which there's one interesting misnomer with that one. Um, Gemel, G-I-M-E-L, is a camel. Um, Gimla, if you just take the L and the E and switch them, it's rope. So remember when Jesus said it's easier for a camel to go to an eye, through an eye of a needle than for a rich man to get into heaven? This doesn't change the meaning at all, but we've made up all kinds of stuff about what that means. Oh, there's this place in Jerusalem and the camel has to duck down. <laughs> it's like, what, what, what? It, it, the, the point is it's impossible. <laughs> but but the, what likely happened was instead of gimel, it was gimla, which would have been rope. And so Jesus would have been saying it's easier for a rope to make its way through the eye of a needle than a camel. I mean, than a rich man to get into heaven. So it doesn't change the meaning, but you can kind of see where the, the things can get mixed up a bit. Dalit um, is door. The, the way they wrote a Dalit was a door, which meant pathway or the way into something. Um, ha was a, a window or a fence, and it meant to reveal something. It meant to reveal something, or in, in, in some spiritual circles, to let wind in, to the spiritual sort of thing. Vav is a nail or a hook, and it means to fasten to or to hook to something. Um, by itself, vav means and. Okay? Um, zayin is, um, is a weapon, or it could be a harvester harvesting supply. Okay? And it means to cut or to cut off. Um, ket, which has a ch sound, um, is a fence, a hedge, or a chamber. And it meant private or to separate. All right? um, tet is a snake, which ultimately we, all, we, all, we always connotate that with evil, but it didn't mean that in, in this day. The snake or the twist meant to surround something. When they saw Tet, it meant to surround something. Um, yud is a, is, is a closed hand, or it is this image, an op like this, to lift your hands up to God. It's the first letter of the word praise, Yudah. So this kind of image. Um, Kaf is, this is so cool, Kaf is an, is an arm or a wing or an open hand over a head. It looks like this. Okay? And that's where we get the word cover from. The word Kippur, the first, the, the word atonement, Kippur, the first letter of that word is cover. Cover. Um, Lamed is a cattle goad or a staff. It means to prod something along. Um, mem is water, is moving water, and it means, it means massive or powerful, or it can mean, in occasions, to be from something, from something. Nun was fish moving, was fish moving, or, or fish multiplying, right? Samic, Samic was a prop, it's like a cane, 
right? So to support something or to turn something. Ein is an I, which obviously means to see, okay? Pe or fe, P and F, they get used interchangeably. Perfe is an open mouth, which means to speak. Zadi is a fish hook with bait on it, and it means the desire of one's heart. It has to do with what lures you. What, what lures you? Um, kof is the back of the head, which means behind or humble or the least. Resh is a, a, is, is, is a giant head, and it, it just means uh, the head honcho, the highest person, the person in charge. Okay? Shin is teeth, but over time it started to be meaning this. You ever seen that before? Spock, right? Spock was a devout Jew. When the writers of Star Trek asked Leonard Nimoy, what do you want the sign of Vulcan to be? He said this. And if you trace that out, it looks like the Hebrew letter Shin, which means by itself name. Name. So when the priest would bless the people at the end of a service, in Numbers chapter 6, at the end of the priestly blessing, it says, and he will put my name on them. So what he would do, is he'd stand before the people and he'd do this. And he'd say, let the name of God rest on you now. Hovering. Hovering. Now, don't walk around Hastings doing this to each other. They'll think you're a cult. <laughs> or you can. It doesn't matter what they think. Do Just do it. Everybody fall on the ground. Um, <laughs> Tav is the last one. Tav was a, a, a cross. And it meant covenant. It meant covenant. So, so what you can do with this, you say, well, what, is this, what does this have to do with me? Well, when you study your Bible, um, if you just have a Strong's Concordance, or if you just have Crosswalk.com, or uh, a Bible software, eSword, something like that, it, it, when, you, when you put your cursor over the word, an eSword, it'll give you the Hebrew spelling. And so you can, you can come to the Hebrew word, and you can look up the spelling, which means you can see the pictures, which means you'll see the comic strip. Okay, and, and let me tell you what that'll do to your, this, this is, every non-serious Bible study student just went, Ugh. okay, but, um, but, but for those of us, for those of us who, who like that kind of stuff, let me show you what this can do to the Bible, okay, the, the, the word iniquity, for instance, I think I covered this the other night with the word avon, avon, okay, and it was three letters, you can look at it right there, it's, it's ein, vav, and nun, all right, so it's the word Avon. I know I covered this the other night, but just for those who missed it, Avon, okay? Ein, Vav, and Nun. So if that's all you knew about it, was it was Ein, Vav, and Nun. You could take your little chart there, and you could look up Ein and see that the picture is an eye. You could look up Vav and see that the picture is a hook. And you could look up Nun and see that the, it's the picture is fish multiplying. And so you could look at this and say, okay, what is iniquity? Iniquity is whatever your eye hooks to multiplies. Whatever your eye hooks to multiplies. How about the word atonement, which is kippur, right? Kaf, pe, pe, resh. All right, the vowels are inserted for pronunciation. It's three letters. Kaf with four letters. Kaf, pe, double pe, resh. All right? So, so look, at your, look at your form. And, and what is the picture of kaf? The open hand over the head. Right? You see that? All right? What's the picture of pe? 
Open mouth, right? And if they write it twice, what does that mean? Yelling. Shouting, right? Resh, what is resh? A head, a giant head, okay? So, so, what, so, so what does the word atonement say in the Hebrew comic strip? You got this, you got this, and you got this. So, so what are they seeing there? Here's what they see. This is atonement. Covering is being spoken loudly out of the mouth of the head honcho. Covering is being spoken loudly out of the mouth of the highest person. Which, who, who proclaimed atonement in the Old Testament? Come on, who proclaimed atonement in the Old Testament? The high priest. He's the, high, he's the head honcho. He's the highest person. Who proclaims atonement in the New Testament? Jesus, he's our high priest. So Kippur, covering, is still being proclaimed loudly from the mouth of the highest person. All right? Um, how about this one? This isn't, this isn't boring, is it? You guys are okay? Okay. Okay. Um, all right. There's this like Hebrew tongue twister in John chapter 1. It's pretty cool. John chapter 1, it says in, I think it's verse 14, it says, And the word became flesh and dwelt among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the only begotten of the Father. Okay, John chapter 1 is just a commentary on Genesis chapter 1. Genesis chapter 1 says, In the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. John chapter 1 says, In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. Okay, so John chapter 1 and Genesis chapter 1, John chapter 1 is a commentary on Genesis chapter 1. It's about the same thing. John says things like, in him was light, and the light was the life of men. Genesis chapter 1, and God said, let there be light, and there was light. In him was light, and the light was the life of men. John is, is expounding on Genesis chapter 1. And so then he says this in, in 1 verse 14. He says, we have seen his glory, the glory of the only begotten of the Father, which in the Hebrew language is a tongue twister, okay? The word dwelt, we, the, the word became flesh and dwelt. The word dwelt is the word shikan. Looks like the word shaken, but it's pronounced shikan, all right? Three letters, shin, kaf, nun. Shin, kaf, nun. All right, now, the way Hebrew letters, the way Hebrew words are formed, you normally have a three-letter root word, and then it's kind of formed about that, okay? Shikan, shin, kaf, nun. So take your little form, all right? Now, what's the picture of shin? Teeth or name, okay? Name is more common, so name, all right? Kaf, what's kaf? Yep, the covering over the head, right? Same in Kapoor. And then noon, what's noon? Fish multiplying, all right? So, 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 so in, Hebrew, in Hebrew, the comic strip says, and the word became flesh so that the covering of his name would multiply. The word became flesh so the covering of his name would multiply. Now, it says, the word became flesh and dwelt among us. We have seen his glory. Does anybody know the Hebrew word for glory? Somebody's saying it. Shekinah. Shekinah. All right, let me show you that one. Do you see the difference? Very little difference. If you take the vowels out, because the vowels are just there for pronunciation, it's shin, kaf, nun, ha. Same three letters with a ha on it. So, so, so the Hebrew idea of glory was 
the covering of his name multiplied, revealed. In other words, what would we look like if we were covered in God? Jesus showed that. He revealed that. That the glory of God is what we would look like completely covered. Interesting. He says, we have seen his glory, the, only, the glory of the only begotten of the Father. Where did they see the glory of God in the Old Testament? Which, by the way, this is still Old Testament. When, John, like, when Jesus was walking, the New Testament hadn't been established, yet it just happens to be written in the New Testament, but it was still old. You with me? Like, Jesus hadn't established the New Covenant, yet that happens at, like, the end of the book. Um, so where did they see the glory of God? In the tabernacle. What's the word for tabernacle? Mishkan. Same word. You see that? Mishkan. So you got shin, kaf, noon, with an M on it. So, so look at your little form. What does M, what does M mean? Water, or it could mean from. So, so it could, mishkan, the word tabernacle, could mean one of two things. It could mean the power of the covering of his name multiplying, or it could mean from the covering of his name multiplying. So the tabernacle was a place from where the covering of his name multiplies. Hmm. But, but do you see the tongue twister? These are the same words. Shekan, Shekinah, Mishkan. Same root word in everything. So in other words, he's like the Shekinah of the Mishkan is now Shekan. Hmm. It's, it's pretty cool. H- how about the word, I think I did this one the other night. How about the word Sadak? That, that's the Hebrew word righteous. So, the Hebrew word righteous is sadak. But since I did this the other night, we may as well use this as practice, okay? Sadak. You got three letters. Siddi, Dalit, Kof. Alright, so if, if you just if you look at your little form, Siddi is a fish hook with bait on it. Dalit is an open door. And Kof is the back of a head. So what's the comic strip? The desire of one's heart opens the door to humility. That's righteousness. If you put a ha on it, tzedakah, it means righteousness revealed. Righteousness revealed, which means, in one word, is generosity. The desire of one's heart opens the door to humility revealed. The ultimate act of humility is to meet someone else's need first. Hmm. How about the word praise? The word praise, there's seven words of them. I'm just naming one. Yudah. We'd say Judah. It's Yudah. Yod. Okay, I'll write this higher. Yod. Dalit. Ha. Yudah. Okay? We'd say it this way. Judah. Judah. So, so if you look at your form, um, I, had to, I taught you the upraised hand things, the upraised hand. Then Dalit, what's Dalit? It's an open door. And what's Ha? A window to reveal something. So, so in other words, uh, th- th- check this out. This is how they taught Judah. They said, as I raise my hands to God, he opens the windows and the doors of heaven for me. Or you could think of it this way, 
as I raise my hands to God, as I submit my life to God, the pathway to revelation is made known. How about, how about the name, how about God's name? The, 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 when God says his name first, it's Yahweh, Yud, Ha, Vav, Ha, Yud, Ha, Vav, Ha, which is a Hebrew anomaly. It, it's, it, it's, it's four letters that don't phonetically go together. So Moses is asking him his name, and God, in essence, looks at Moses and goes, <laughs> In other words, he, he, in essence, says, I'm not playing this game with you. You want to know my name? My name is Koshbarobin Habenshaven. <laughs> Robin Habenshaven, open. <laughs> he just made something up. <laughs> Yud, ha, vav, ha. You don't, but if you put the pictures on it, what does it do? What does it do? Yud is once again the upraised hand. Ha is revelation. Vav is a hook. And then ha is revelation. So in other words, God's name at its essence means this, that as we worship him, Revelation gets connected to revelation. It's, it's, it's glory to glory. Never-ending perpetual glory to glory. Hmm. How about the name Rapha, Jehovah Rapha? You got, what, what letters do you hear there? Rapha, you got Resh, Fe, Ha. So, so Resh is what? The giant head? You got Fe, which is what? A mouth and ha, which is what to reveal something. So, so the word Jehovah, my healer, means the highest person is speaking revelation. Jira, the word provi- provision or provider, it's yud, upraised hand, resh, giant head, ha. So, in other words, as I as I put God in His proper place. The highest person reveals himself to me. That's provision. Hmm. How about shalom? The word peace, shalom. Shin, lamek, mem. Everybody should know shin by now, right? Lamek is what? It's a cattle goat or a prod. And mem is powerful water or from something. So the word shalom means this, the name is prodding me to power. In other words, the most powerful state you can be in is the state of peace inside. That's where you can harness all your power. It's just cool. Kanaf, the word kanaf, kaf, nun, fe, kaf, nun, fe, covering is multiplied out of somebody's mouth. That was the corner of their garments. That's where the tassels were. We did prayer, right? Did we do prayer? The other night we did prayer, didn't we? About the, the, the initial word for prayer in Genesis 4. It had three letters, the front of the head, the back of the head, and then the ox head going into a yoke. Rock, 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 the front of the head, back of the head, ox head going into the yoke. It's, so prayer to a Hebrew person is the turning of the head in order to face the one who can bear the burden. A turning of the head in order to face the one who can bear the burden. It's all about being God-conscious, not sin-conscious. God-conscious, not self-conscious. That is prayer, even without saying anything. So what would our prayer life look like? 
my brothers and sisters, leaders of God's biggest idea, what would our prayer life look like if we spent more time becoming aware of God, becoming aware of everything that's inside of us, and knowing that we could take it out of ourselves and place it onto somebody else? What kind of power would that bring? So this... um, I've been talking for an hour, which is like far more than anybody should have to bear. Um, so we'll take a break with that. But if, if I could share, if I could have shared anything with you for an hour in terms of how to study your Bible more effectively, it would have been on that, to, that we should be people who are training ourselves to see function, not form. And then you can use the letters for every single word in the whole Bible that's written in Hebrew. So um, uh, we're going to take a break now and come back for our last session, and it's going to be so powerful. Um, there's going to be a big move of God at the end. I'm telling you, God's going to reach out and touch you. So um, don't anybody leave. Um, that we're we're going to get right back into to some awesome, awesome stuff, and there's going to be a move of God at the end. I know it. This is our last night, and um, God's going to touch you before you leave. So we'll take a break now, 20 minutes or so, and uh, you guys will see you back in about 20 minutes. <laughs> <laughs>